Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. All right, well, we uh, are on our uh, series where last week we started to explore uh, the answer to life's most important question. Uh, What on earth am I here for? Uh, In other words, why do I exist? Why am I alive? What is my purpose in all of this? Why draw my next breath? And last week we kind of did an introduction to this journey. We took a flyby, kind of a broad approach. And we started by talking about the call of God that is on our lives and what that looks like. We studied the call of God. We said that regardless of who you are or where you've been or regardless of your understanding of faith, the truth is that God has a call upon your life at this moment, that God is calling you unto himself. We broke that down. Uh, I want to share just a couple of them with you as a review. We said that God's call is a gift of God meaning that it's nothing that I can earn, it's nothing that I deserve, it's nothing uh, that I can qualify for. It is simply the grace of God that calls us to himself. We asked, what is grace? We said, grace is God giving us what we need instead of giving us what we deserve. The call of God upon us is simply the grace of God. We said that our sins and mistakes do not change God's call. That your faults, or as the Bible calls it, our sins, uh, do not disqualify us. Why? Because God gives us not what we deserve, but God gives us what we need. Throughout Scripture, God has demonstrated this remarkable uh, ability to leave our past in the past. Matter of fact, we see it constantly that God is calling us out of our past, and He's calling us into His future for us. And so our sins and our mistakes do not change God's call upon us. And then we explored this idea in Romans 8, 28. We said, uh, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, that nothing can stand between you and the good intentions that God has for you. That there is no person, there is no event, there is no form of evil, there is nothing that can stand between, ultimately stand between you and the good intentions that God has for you. But then there's a qualifier. And we broke this down last week. We said there is this idea of called and this idea of purpose. Called and purpose. The qualifier is for those who have responded to the call and are living out the purpose of God. For our lives. Call and purpose. These words, they work together in our text. All of us understand something that all of us today, right now, are in the position of being called. You are continually, I am continually being called by God to take another step closer, to take another step of surrender. We are in the position of being called. And so if called is our position, then we would say that purpose is our destination, right? That purpose is our, that where God is calling us to is his purpose for our lives. Call and purpose. God is calling each of us to his purpose. If you can discover the purpose that God has for you, then you have unlocked 
the answer to life's greatest question. What on earth am I here for? Now, hopefully you've been doing your reading. Uh, If you need a book and if there's for some reason you can't uh, make it to one of our 17 groups that we have launched right now and you need a book, I'll be happy to get one in your hand so you can read with us. Matter of fact, I have a few leftover DVDs I can get in your hand as well because there's reading that goes with this, a study guide, there's a DVD, there's Sunday messages, all of it working together. If you've been doing your Sunday reading, you know that in order to understand your purpose, you must go back to the beginning and start with your Creator. That if you want to understand how something works, or if you want to understand what something does, you have to ask its inventor. You have to ask its creator. In other words, you cannot tell yourself what your purpose is. You cannot tell yourself what your calling is, or only your creator can tell you what your purpose is. Only your creator can tell you what your calling is. And so over the next five weeks, we will unpack our five callings, or the five purposes that God has placed upon each and every person that he has ever given the breath of life to. Discover these things, and you will answer life's most difficult question, what on earth am I here for? Pray with me as we continue. Lord, uh, we ask for your spirit to teach us as we um, uh, start into another uh, topic this morning. We just pray that you would come and you would reveal yourself, you would show yourself today, Holy Spirit, that you would make your love very evident to us, Father, that you would break down any walls that that cause us to not experience your love or to understand it. Would you uh, expand our view of your affection for us? Would you come and have your way among us? We invite your presence to rest upon us strongly right now that we may know you more. We submit ourselves to you. We continue in an act of worship, even through our giving, as we place you first in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, recognize something significant. Discovering your purpose begins by understanding the nature of God. All right? Discover who God is, and you will discover your first purpose in life. The Bible tells us something very fundamental but concrete, that God is love, right? God just does not show love. God just does not exhibit love. God just does not have love. But the Bible tells us that God actually is love, that love is the nature, the character, and the essence of who God is, that love is not just a part of God, but love is God. Now, the only reason you are able to love The only reason that you are able to give and receive love is because God, who is the God of love, made us in his image. God is the substance of love. And as creator, catch this, as creator, everything he produced was created out of love and was created to be loved. Everything that God created was created out of love because God is love and it was created to be loved. That's important. Every tree, every plant, every animal, every human being, God has never made anything that God does not love. God has never made anything that God does not love and he was not pleased with. Now listen, listen, listen. This means if you're alive today, God loves you. This means that you were created as an object of God's affection. 
Because God is love. Everything that God created was created out of love. And everything God creates, God loves. You were created as an object of God's affection. This means that you were created to be loved by God. Now, I just want that to sink in for a moment, right? This difficult question, what on earth am I here for? You were created to be loved by God. Look at Ephesians 1. Even before he made the world, God, what does it say? God loved us. Now stop. Before anything was created, before anything came into being, before anything was spoken, Scripture tells us before anything even happened, God already chose to love you. That's an amazing fact, that before anything ever happened, God already knew you and already chose to love you. Listen, listen, I I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, let us capture this. He made the universe so he could make a solar system, so he could make earth, so he could make humanity, so he could make you, so he could love you. That is a remarkable image of a God who not only shows love, but is love. The reason that you are alive today is to be loved by God. Look at the rest of Ephesians. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us, is a key word, adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it, what did it give him? What, no, uh, what did it give him? Some of you are asleep. What did it give him? It gives him great pleasure. Listen! Today, you were created to be loved by God. And if you have responded to the call of God, guess what you give him? Great pleasure. So for all of this junk that we live through, that we beat ourselves up over, thinking God hates me, God's against me, God's just waiting to spite me, Scripture says it's just the opposite. That God's created you, and he created you to love you. And that it gives him great pleasure to love you. His unchanging plan has always been, since the very beginning of time, to adopt us into his family by bringing us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gives our creator God great pleasure. That means something to me. Can can I tell you a little secret about myself? I live under a weight of performance. And as a pastor, I struggle with this constantly on on what's the church doing, how is the church's health, how are my sermons, what's going on, how am I pastoring. And there's a constant struggle to shed all that aside and to just be because I bring God pleasure, not because of the title that comes after my name, but because he created me to love me. Now, you may not live under a performance yoke, but you live under something. And this is life-changing for us, to be able to step into the, to the understanding that I bring God pleasure just because God created me to love me and has always planned to adopt me back into his family. Great pleasure. 
This means, now listen carefully, this means your first purpose in life is not to serve God. This means that your first purpose in life is not to trust God. Your first purpose in life is not to obey God. Your first purpose in life is not even to love God. Your first purpose in life is to let God love you. Pop. Right? Yeah, somebody should have said something there. There's a couple people up here get it. Some of you are like, yeah. Hey, yes, thank you. Thank you. In the back, help me out. We talked about it. Right? Your purpose is not to do. Your purpose is to be. And this is life-changing and freeing for us followers of Christ. That, 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 that your first purpose in life is to not even to love God, but just to allow God to love you. For all of you who struggle with your relationship with God, God did not create you to do something. He created you to receive something. And it was to receive His love. The first purpose of my life, the reason why you and I were created, is to be loved by our Creator. Just let that sink in on you just for a moment. Because if you understand this, it really is life-changing to the core of our faith. If you're wondering, what on earth am I here for? The number one reason you're alive is not to do something. It's not to become something. It's not to learn something. It's not to give something. It's to receive something. We have been created to be receptacles, a receiver, and benefactors of God's great love. My first calling is simply to let God love me and to enjoy a relationship with God. What I'm saying, and I will drive this home, is that the number one call in your life is not a role or a responsibility. It's not a ritual, and it's not a religion, and it's not a bunch of rules, and it's not a regulation. It's a relationship with the Creator who created you to love you. Your primary call from God is not to be a servant. It's not to be a soldier fighting the war against good and evil. It's not to be a warrior for righteousness. It's not about being his worker. It's not about being his employee or about being his minion. It's about being his son, and it's about being his daughter because he's invited you and adopted you back into his family. Everything that sin took from you, God had already planned to get you back. That's the beauty of Jesus and the cross. Man, some of you need to wake up or I need to go preach to a different church. That's all I'm saying. Come on now, this is powerful. Look at Romans 1.7. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God, all right, there it is again, who are loved by God and who are called to be his own holy people. Here are the, the, the three fundamental truths of this journey that we're on. What on earth am I here for, right? The, 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 the first one is that we're called to be loved by God, right? This is, we already said, this is our purpose. There's some latency here, so I'm doing the best I can. Uh, so we're, this is our purpose, to be loved by God. That's what we're discussing. And this called part, this we would say is uh, we're called into the relationship. Boy, it's hard when there's this much latency. Uh, called into a relationship with God. And then to his own holy people, this is what we're called into. We're called into the family of God, right? 
This is what scripture says all of us are being called into. This is your first purpose. To call to your first purpose is to be loved by God. You have been called into a relationship with God and you have been adopted and invited back into the family of God. This is what we are about as followers of Christ. Look at 1 John 3. It says, see what an incredible quality of love, there it is, what an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us, that we would be named and called and counted the children of God, and then he ends it with this, and so we are. That I, I love this, that you, you are named a child of God, you are called a child of God, you are counted as a child of God, and so you are a child of God. That is life-changing to me, not because of anything I've done, not because I can earn it, but simply because God is a God of love, and that love sent Jesus to redeem me back into the family of God. Isn't that freeing for some of you? That all of the performance that we go under, and all of the guilt that the enemy puts on us with, and the shame, and all that we live under, and that the beauty is, is that you are not called to do, you're called to receive. To just your first call is to receive the love of God. Your number one purpose in life is not to accomplish. It's just to receive. It's not to make something of yourself. It's not to to make a lot of money or to be famous or to enjoy the finer things of life. He loves you on your good days. It's just to allow him to love you on your bad days. He loves you when you think you deserve it. And he loves you when you don't think you deserve it. Your call is just to experience the love of God. You can't make God stop loving you. Think about that. Scripture tells us over and over and over, you can't make him stop loving you. He will never love you any more than he loves you at this moment. He will never love you any any less than he loves you at this moment. This is the love of the Father. This is the love of the God, uh, the love of God that we serve because it's not based upon who we are. It's only based upon who he is. Look at Ephesians 3. I love how Paul unpacks this and he says this. I pray, and this is my prayer for you, right? Paul, as the pastor of the church of Ephesus, he says, here's my prayer for the church I started. Here's my prayer for our church, that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. And may your roots go deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love really is. And may you, what does he say? What does he say? He doesn't say, may you just know it. May you understand it. May you have verses memorized about it. But may you experience it. May it shake you to your core. May it be life-changing. May it give you breath when you're breathless. May it give you hope when you are hopeless. May it change the core of who you are as you experience the love of God for his creation. This is the God that we serve. And then then he ends it with this, kind of builds it up, and then he settles us back into reality. He says, though it is so great, 
though it is so great that you will never see it. Can we go to that next slide? Though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. Paul says, look, I want you to have something that I realize this side of heaven you're never really going to be able to have. It's too big. It's too great. It's too wide. It's too deep. And I'm praying that you get it, but the understanding is that we're never fully going to be able to grasp a hold of it. And as much as we think we understand it, one day when we stand before him, I think it will melt us to, to realize a love like we have never known. Love that we have never been able to show. And to finally understand the love that God is. The love of God, how wide is the love of God? Look where he says, may you understand how wide is the love of God. It's wide enough to be everywhere. That there is no place on the planet where the love of God is not. There is no place in the universe where God's love ends. There is no place where God's love will not enter. David says, where can I go when your spirit does not follow me? Where can I go when your love cannot touch me? His love is everywhere. How long is the love of God? How long is the love of God long enough to last forever? It's what makes it different from human love because human love wears out. Human love is fickle. This is why we have divorce and we have breakups and we have heartache because the human love changes with the seasons and changes with the wind. But but God says, my love never changes. My love never changes. That's the beauty of the God that we serve. He says, how wide is the love of God? How long is the love of God? How high is the love of God? High enough to overlook my faults. High enough to look past my mistakes because of Jesus Christ. High enough to give me forgiveness. High enough to give me not what I deserve, but what I need. How deep is the love of God? The love of God is deep enough to handle anything that life can throw at us. Deep enough to handle my pain and my problems, and my sickness, and my stress, and my anxiety, and my depression, and my struggles. That is the love of God. See, this is the amazing truth that we're told in Scripture. Long before anything existed, God chose to love you. And I don't know how to make you understand that. Besides you beginning to open yourself up and take that first step to say, I want to start to receive it. I want to start to receive the love that I was created to receive. See, God has been waiting your entire life for this very moment where he can get you to sit still long enough that you can hear him say, I have always loved you. And there has never been a moment in your life that I have not loved you. And I formed you in your mother's womb just so I could love you. And I was in that room when you took your first breath and I rejoiced. And I rejoiced when you cried and your lungs were filled with the breath of life. I have been with you through every trial, every struggle, every heartache. I have been there calling you 
to myself through every celebration and every heartache and every moment of joy and every moment of tears. I have never left you. Can you hear the Father speaking that to you today? And so here's our question. How would your life change? How would it be different? How would it be transformed? If you began to be aware of God's unconditional, never-ending love. See, this is our first purpose. This is the first step of our journey. You were created to be loved by God. You were created to be an object of his affection. But there's another side of this. In light of God's extravagant, unconditional love for us, he then waits for our love to be returned. And the Bible calls this worship. See, you have been created to be loved by God, and you have been created to, or, or been created and planned for God's pleasure. You were created to have a relationship with God, and that is a two-way street. And so there is this idea of, of worship that is, that is woven throughout the Bible. And it's interesting that God just doesn't ask for our love or our worship. He actually demands it. Now, let, let me explain. Let, let, let me explain. God who understands his level, how deep, how wide, how high, how long. God who understands his love that he lavishly bestows upon his creation. He says that when you begin to understand that kind of love, he expects that love would be returned to him. He would expect that you would be compelled to worship him because you have never found that type of love before. This is why the Bible says, hey, you give glory that God deserves. This is why scripture continually tells us to sing his praises day and night. This, it's why it's woven throughout all of scripture. Because God knows and, and God's expectation is once we begin to understand his love for us that we will be compelled to worship him, to love him in return. If you look back into the Old Testament, the children of Israel, God leads them out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and uh, he gave them a, a diagram for how they would set up camp wherever they would be in, in the wilderness. It's found in Numbers chapter 2. And he says there will be three tribes, because there were 12 of them. There will be three tribes, uh, north, south, east, and west. And in the center, there would be the tabernacle, which was the place of worship. So I want three tribes, three tribes, three tribes, three tribes. And at the center of your existence should be the tabernacle or the place, the dwelling place of God. And through this, God was painting a picture. He was trying to teach his people a spiritual principle that all of life is to revolve around the worship of God. That all that we do, that everything in life should be and can be an aspect of worship. How we respond to stress and trials is worship. How we perform on our jobs is worship. How we respond to our children, how we love our spouse, how we treat our neighbors, how we serve 
others is worship, how we volunteer in the local church is worship, how we honor our parents is worship, how we manage our resources is an act of worship. Worship is building our lives around God who is at the center of all things. Because once we discovered his love for us, we realize that he's worthy to build our lives around. That he just should not be an addition to my life, but he should be at the center of my life. And once we begin to understand how wide, how long, how deep, how high the love of God is for us, worship just does not become part of your life. Worship is your life. You are compelled to put God at the center. This is our response to God. Make no mistake. In your life, you will worship something. You will place something at the center of your existence. You will worship something. Whatever it is that helps you find meaning, whatever it is that helps you find purpose, is what you will worship. Something will drive your life. Matter of fact, anthropologists tell us that worship is a universal urge that's been hardwired into our fiber. I think hardwired by God himself. You will worship something. The invitation from God is to let him love you. And as that love permeates your being, your natural response is to love him back. And that is worship. Now, when we gather on Sunday, um, it is our time to corporately express our worship together and reflect on the love that we have been experiencing throughout the week. This is what we do when we gather here. This is why we have our time of singing. It's not just to allow you to grab your coffee and donuts and to sneak in late. Now, I'm going to push us on this a little bit. I'm going to push us on this a little bit. Um, you don't have to worship like I worship, right? The church has made mistakes by saying authentic worship looks like this. Right? Authentic worship takes on many different forms, right? It's, it's a heart attitude. But it grieves me when there is nothing going on. You say, well, how do you know? Well, because you're playing Candy Crush on your phone. All right? That's not one of the acceptable forms of worship I read in Scripture. Clapping, kneeling, hands raising, Candy Crush. Now listen. The possible reason why you don't worship isn't because you don't love God, but it's because you don't realize how much God loves you. I'm calling you to a higher level of responding to the love of God. Do you, you realize who it is we're worshiping, right? Listen, I know some of you, you're not musical. I get it. Let me have the band come up, please. I know some of you, you're not musical. I get it, right? I'm an ex-worship leader. And so, uh, you know, I'm, you don't have to worship like I do. You don't have to worship like Morgan does or the band. But you, you have to worship. Now, I know what we'll do is we'll take this thing and we'll say, well, worship is not just music, and so we exclude ourselves from music. No, right? Scripture is all throughout talks about the worship through song. And so we can't just exclude that to say, well, I'm not musical, that's not my thing. You have to be, a, you, have, you really do need to enter into an attitude of worship because of the love that God has for you. It should compel you to give something back. 
Now, let me talk to the men. I know culture says it's not cool to sing in church or to raise your hands or to show any type of emotion, but can I remind you that that same culture tells you it's okay to paint a letter on your chest, take off your shirt, and go to a football game (laughs) with your 46-inch waist hanging over your belt, screaming like an idiot, right? Hey, men, let me issue a challenge. Lead our church in worship. Lead your family in worship. Right? You don't have to worship like I do. But you have to worship. And I think part of the reason why we don't worship isn't because we don't really love God, but I don't think we realize how much God loves us. So let's close with this today. I'm going to do a couple songs. And I want us to be reminded first of the love of God that he has for us. For some of you, you just need to sit in silence. You may want to explore some of the altar space. Can we let's just let's just tear off all the will someone's what will someone think? Who, let's forget about all that. All right? You can stay seated, you can stand, you can kneel, you can lie down, you can whatever whatever that looks like for you, but would you open yourself up to the love of God today? Would you invite his love to begin to be poured out upon you? And then, would we also allow that love to begin to draw us in to be worshipers, to love him in return, to bless him in return? Because your first purpose on this journey that we're on is not to be something, is not to do something, it's not to serve God, it's not to give to God, it's not even to love God. Your first purpose is first to be loved by God. And out of that love, the rest of that flows. Amen? Let's bring those lights down. You pray. Lord, uh, we need your presence right now. And I'm inviting you, Holy Spirit, to seal the words that were spoken. There is such power, I hope, I hope, I hope that was delivered in a way that we get it. Would you fill in the gaps for anything I didn't say or did not communicate properly? Would you, would you speak it over us? Would we maybe for the first time understand that we have been created to be loved by you? And would that break bondage over us? Would that break the chains over us? Would it break the stronghold over us? Would it break the guilt over us? And would it break the condemnation that the enemy places upon us? And would it break the performance that we live in? And would would it break the always trying to achieve and always trying to earn and always trying to, to deserve the love of God? Would you loose us today to just be and to just experience and to just rest. Oh, how great. Oh, how great is the love of God. Church, you can explore the space today. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, but don't allow this time to pass by. Man, it's good, church. It's good. It's good. It's good.
this week I release you to experience more of the love of God for you. More of the grace of God, more of the goodness of God, more of the fullness of God, and all that he has for you. And in return, as his love permeates you, place him at the center and love, worship him in return. Continue on your reading through the What on Earth Am I Here For book. Continue with your group. We'll continue this journey together. I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you guys. Leaving me there in my chain